0: Hello, my friend, wherever you're tuning in from across the world. First, thank you for sparing time to listen to this podcast. We sincerely hope this investment you are making will make a difference to your thinking. We at Share the Well believe that every individual has intrinsic value because we are created in the image of God. We also believe that every idea has merit and we need to create platforms where these ideas can be fiercely yet respectfully debated because ideas have consequences for the individual and for the communities and not all ideas are equal. Here is our endeavor to provide this platform where various ideas will be discussed and debated by ordinary people like you and me. And I've often thought about this premise, ordinary people having extraordinary conversations. Tune in now to listen to the conversation, and I'll speak with you shortly. Thanks for joining, guys. Appreciate it. It's yeah, a truly it. historic day for us. Um, for me, at least, you know, it's been, I think, 15 years in the making wow. when I've f- first read the passage of Hagar being abandoned and then uh, um, the angel of the Lord, it says, came and said, that's the well. She ran out of water. She abandoned her kid. She was all alone and and the angel of the Lord came and said, um, hey, that's the, here's a well, drink the water from there and go back. So that's when the well began. And then it kind of, coalesced into Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman at the well. And, you know, it's, it was like strangers coming together, meeting at the well. And, and so that, that well, and this well, and then we were going through all of this polarization of, uh, you know, that's happening right now in at least North America, right? Maybe even in other countries. And we said, wow, let's talk about share the well. And I remembered Cademan called song, and that's how this whole concept came about. uh Kind of, it was all put together, I think, in my head at least. And uh, I said, okay, let's let's start a podcast. There are so many voices. And then Ravi Zach was Ravi Zach passed away, and many of these old voices are going away. So we need more voices in um, to have this dialogue and debate. And and so began the journey. Now it's uh I've actually recruited people from South Africa and Argentina to talk as well, and in South America as well. So it's going to be truly international.
1: <laughs> it nice. seems like uh, Ravi Zak's quite the legacy to follow, but hopefully <laughs>
0: it's <through that's> prophetic. <laughs> He's had some bad legacy coming up, you know, in terms of the allegations, at least that's uh, been there recently. Was oh, that right? Sad. Yeah, okay. it was sad to kind of see that. I don't know. You know these things always come up, and uh, we got to give them credence, but we we also got to mind be mindful of uh, these you know allegations. Anyways, mm-hmm. all right, friends. Um, so I, I think we can we can begin. We'll will uh, What I would say is just introduce yourselves and just briefly, maybe helpful for people to know who you are and uh, a little bit about you know yourself and then um we'll go from there what do you guys think sure yeah right who wants to go first tarun you want to take the
1: sure stage? absolutely <laughs> so uh, my name is tarun reddy i'm uh, originally from bangalore uh, and which is where my mom met don and his wife and how we got connected i feel like i've known don forever most probably because i have known you for probably 3 quarters of my life um and moved to Vancouver, Canada about 10 years ago, and I've done a degree in psychology with a minor in religious studies. Uh, so I feel that, um, well, I my interest in theology and philosophy, I think I've always had this interest, and doing that degree really helped uh, spark thinking about these uh, subjects more deeply uh, and just... Currently, I'm sure we'll get a lot deeper into it. But currently, I would consider myself a Christ-leaning agnostic. Um, yeah, and uh, I was working in the food service industry until about eight months ago when COVID changed uh, changed those plans. And now, currently, just applying to law school, so that's where I am right now.
0: Awesome, term Thank you so much, Clark. You
1: bet.
2: Yeah. So uh, my name is uh, Clark Wong. I uh, I'm a physician in uh, New York City. I grew up in Taiwan, um, and my family moved to the States when I was five. I grew up, um, you know, standard uh, Buddhist slash Taoist slash uh, ancestral worship kind of background. I'm not really sure what that meant, Um, but, uh, you know, grew up in sort of more like the uh, American, secularist kind of view, and lived that life for a while until, you know, didn't really quite pan out um, after um, struggles uh, ensued, and then by uh, God's grace, you know, you know found uh, Jesus, or he actually found me, and uh, and then, you know, I've been a follower of Christ since, uh, and uh, the journey has not been um, not been tra- you know traditionally smooth, uh, but I think that's the journey that we all possibly have.
0: Cool, that is awesome, and so we're going to um, you know explore the topic of worldviews. So we we have four parts in the podcast, one of which is worldview. Um, and We'll explore. I think we'd be, we can do some um, introduction to the concept itself, and then we can go into each of your worldviews and, and how that came about to be. And then we can exchange ideas and, and challenge one another as well as to uh, why we believe what we believe and, and, and see how we can, uh, you know, how I can help kind of moderate that discussion. And you know end of it, I think we, we go back richer, um, challenging our own thought process, first of all, understanding our own frameworks and challenging our own thought processes and and hopefully give us some more uh, food for thought right so if that's if that's okay with you guys totally right that sounds good okay so. My first question to the two of you, uh, and uh, maybe we can reverse this time. Clark, you can go first and then Tarun, you can go next, uh, is what, according to you, is a worldview? I think, you know, according to you, right? We'll we'll, we'll get to kind of common consensus as we talk through it. I
2: mean, uh, you know, what a worldview is to me is basically an individual's prism on how to filter uh, information, um, stimuli, uh, data that comes into that individual and then how that individual then processes that information Um, and then out from that prism will then their actions be Uh, Affected, or it actually may even uh, control their actions.
0: Um, Yeah, that's that's cool. So it's a framework that you say that helps with thinking and then eventually acting, right? Well, yeah. I mean, it's every uh,
2: you know. I have to believe that every human being. Uh, has this innate, whatever you want to call it, you know, uh, uh, processing, you know, system, you know, why the it's the why do we do what we do? Or why do we think what mm. we think?
0: Yeah, interesting. It's, we'll get to some building of that up, right? Um, at some point, because it's, it's not static right? It kind of is malleable to change as data comes in and sits and even processing that change of that worldview is going to happen because of a worldview, right? If you imagine, so it's like a you have a line of code that is pulling other codes in and changing itself, right? And then because of that change in code, you're going to get more codes in to change itself. So it's going to grow over a period of time, right? It's going to change and shift, right? It's in its shape.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a fluid thing. It's a fluid
0: thing,
1: right? Totally. Right. I, I feel like I can I can maybe build off of a, or riff on on that idea of there being Don what you're kind of speaking of with the that meta story or the or the, or the code that writes the code. Um, for me, I've always. I've thought of worldview as your, each of us has a set of axiomatic beliefs. We each have these irreducible beliefs where when you question why it is what you believe, you can keep, if at the surface level, you hold a belief and you ask the question, why um, there's a response. And if you ask the question, why of that response, you get a further response. And I think that uh, each of us has these core sets of axioms which is the lowest level, the most irreducible why. And I think based on those set of axioms you start to it's almost reverse engineering it, I suppose. You you see those based on those axioms you start to filter your the way you think, the way you speak and the way you act. So essentially your worldview I'm not sure what worldview is exactly. I'm not sure if it's the set of axiomatic beliefs, those core principles or if it's the core principles plus the filter that Clark was talking about which then leads to your speech thoughts and actions so it's either those three or it's the or it's one of those from my perspective.
0: Very very interesting right so uh, I, I was thinking about it so let's let's just take what you've said Tarun. Axiomatic beliefs filters that apply on top of that axiomatic beliefs mm-hmm. and then following that whatever thought word and action proceeding from that yeah but that pro- that that processing of the world around the information that you have around you to be able to as as Clark said the stimuli and the perception of the things around you to lead you into that stimuli is dependent on that axiomatic beliefs. Right? You need you need a kind of a starting point. Right? Totally. You, you need a kind of a floor on which all of this is built on. Mm-hmm. Do you guys agree? It's a system. I agree with you. It's not a piece only, but I think it's a system and can that system feed itself, right? In some sense, it, it is in some sense feeding itself, isn't it? Question. I mean, I, I think
2: th- the ag- axiomatic points are the filters. I mean, you process it so quickly that you know, you know some some you process more mentally, but some actually have become ingrained almost reflexively.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think when we ask like a practical question, I think it'll come up, right? Um, and, And you will see that when you ask certain questions, there are some questions that you will have a similar answer. Some questions you will have a different answer, right? So let me think of one, right? Just a simple one. Is it right to... Be violent unnecessarily. What would your view, worldview, tell you?
2: I mean, even
0: that statement
2: in it itself has to be parsed out. I mean, that statement is it right. You know, the world will view will affect what you consider right and wrong.
0: Yeah. If you were to just take the full thought of what I said, is it right? to be unnecessarily violent what would your response of your view your response your stimuli be
1: i would i feel like my response to that is my response to that is based on on my axiomatic presuppositions or on on my axioms itself so for instance that question Is it right to be violent, unnecessary? Then leads to the question, or leads to a response, which I would, which I'm assuming that 99.9% of people would say no. And then the answer, or the question that must be asked of that no, is why? Why is violence? Why is it not right to be uh, violent unnecessarily? And that response, which for me I feel goes. I think could have a couple layers. The why could, for instance, uh, could, uh, to ask why an answer to that question could be it's uh, not right because uh, it leads to damaging people or injuring people um, and then the question of once you apply why again to that question would lead you to another question and eventually you do get to your axioms. Yeah. um, Which, yeah, sorry. Anyways, I perhaps ramb- rambled a bit
0: over there, but. No, 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 good, good. No, it's, it's, it's phenomenal because we, we are, as Clark, as you said, we have to parse that out. You have many elements to that statement and the many elements to that statement will be dug. What I'm just saying at the, at the response level, I, I'm, I'm almost expecting the two of you to say, <laughs> I'm almost expecting, maybe I'm wrong to say no right? right. Um, does that make sense? I don't know. Clark, you want to say? Anything? I mean,
2: that, that statement is the reason why we're having this discussion because uh, you know, a lot of the, at least as far as I perceive a lot of the troubles in the world nowadays is we can't come to a consensus on that statement. Is it right to be violent? You know, you, you take again, I, I'm, I'm speaking just from you know, uh, studies, cause I've never been there, but, um, you know, you have to believe in certain faith-based, uh, religions such as, you know, Islam, you know, that as, as, as some will interpret some of the Islamic readings, this is not all Muslims, you know, that statement may be interpreted differently. Um, Again, you know, you take then, and even in American history, the the Black Panthers is it right to be violent? You know, and that's why the worldview, what your innate perception, your worldview, affects how that statement is interpreted.
0: Right, but I'm I'm interested more in what you guys have to say. Right, your personal um, view on it.
1: I can. I, I think maybe to answer that, I wonder if we can maybe move into, or maybe what I can do is share a couple of what I believe are my axioms that I build my worldview and perspective off of, and why and how I would arrive at a response to the question of is unnecessary violence right? Um, and then perhaps you guys can riff off that or critique or comment on those axioms. Um, but and I'm sure there are more. But to me, I've when I think about what I know that I know that I know those, it comes down to two things and these are my irreducible wise based on, based purely on f- phenomenology. So just on my experience of reality and my experience of the world, I can't give you a rational reason for why this is the case, but this is just how I perceive it, which is that it is better to move from a direction of suffering to a place of thriving. So that idea of shalom or fulfillment, um, it's better for us as a species, as individuals to try and reduce suffering as much as we can and move ourselves towards a position of thriving. Um, So that's my basic axiom. And in response to that question of is unnecessary violence right? Oh, sorry, I should take one step back. So a lot of what I view as right and wrong um, are based on this idea of moving towards a place of thriving and away from a place of suffering. Um, And so, for instance, is unnecessary violence right? No, it's wrong, because unnecessary violence causes unnecessary suffering. And again, I couldn't tell you why suffering is bad and why thriving or fulfillment or a sense of shalom is good, but it is.
0: Response, Clark. Do you have any thoughts? I, you know,
2: I don't. I again, I have lived the um, the secular life, and I can tell you, I I can't trust myself to determine what is right and wrong. Um, because also, I can't, I can't really trust the the majority. Um, you know, majority rules as to tell me what is right and wrong um there are inherent and this is not a discussion on uh, you know epistemology and how we understand right and wrong um but you know for me to know right and wrong you have to understand and this goes to worldviews. you know what what the meaning of life is and uh you know me being a christian now there is you know god the creator and His son that who is outside of this paradigm and only an outside who's outside of this paradigm can,
1: um,
2: you know, write this code of what is right and what is wrong and then instill it into us. Um, So, you know, that's where I base um, what I think is right and wrong. Um, And that's why, you know, experience per se. Yeah, I mean, everyone, um, you know, that's one way of garnering truth is absolutely through experience. Um, but uh, as we all can, you know, throughout our whole lives, we can we can, you know, attest that experience alone can also um, deceive us. Um, so, and uh, you know, as far as suffering, yeah, nobody wants to suffer, but it's interesting the 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 biblical uh, world, the biblical view on suffering is absolutely different. Um, than any other worldview out there um, in that there can be even contentment and thriving in suffering. Um, so, uh, you know, for me, that that's, that's a, that's a much better position in in, in my estimation.
1: Um, I should, I should probably clarify because that is something that that is something I've thought of is that Christianity does place, emphasis or, or not emphasis places value on suffering but it is suffering which has a greater purpose and has a greater um and and has greater meaning in that in that it is in that it's suffering for a cause I suppose the suffering that I'm talking about when I'm speaking about my axiom is is quote-unquote meaningless suffering and, and and I think I can concede that that's a difficult thing to, to define what is meaningful and what is meaningless. But I think that we can at least start there, that there is something like meaningless suffering. An example, uh, I, did, you, did you guys hear about the story of Cannon Hinnant in, uh, I think it was in one of the Carolinas, maybe, the five-year-old boy who was on his bike uh, and his neighbor, who was this 25-year-old man, Darius Sesum, walked over to him yes. and just shot him. Right in the head. Yep. I think it's the, I think we can start at that point, for instance. And again, maybe that comes back to meaningless violence. But we can go there. Is something like meaningless suffering, um, and maybe that's evil. Maybe in other words, that's evil. But that's a, that's another uh, that's another uh, rabbit hole to go down. But just in response to that idea, that I think that the Christian understanding of suffering is a meaningful suffering, something done towards a greater cause, something that eventually will lead you to heaven or shalom, or will eventually move you towards thriving.
0: Yeah. Um, Interesting. So Clark and Tarun, as I'm listening to you guys, um, it's it's amazing when I don't have to intervene. Um, (laughs) It really is uh, listening to you guys. Clark, you're moving away. Your point of reference is away from you to be to defining your axioms.
2: Am I right? Well, I mean, you know, as I said, um, you know, the human, the human mind can deceive, you know, and so as I said, I
0: that's an axiom as well, right? That's part of your worldview.
2: Well, exactly. So, you know, following on what Theron said, you know, part of experience has taught me that, mm. and it's also in the Bible. So, you know, I have confirmation uh, from multiple sources. <laughs> um, so that that's why, I, you know, for me, I I can't trust myself. And if you take it even from a, a atheistic standpoint, if we are all, random happenstance of atoms colliding, you know, what makes you think that the, you know, your present thought is not some random happenstance and your thought is random. You know I mean? it's, mm.
0: So, yeah, just it's, it's directionally I was thinking that Clark, you are, you're pointing outside of you from a point of reference to be able to build what you believe in, right? So your framework, you are—you're saying it's—it's it's coming from the outside, not from inside. Your point of reference is not inside. You—you're kind of doubting your own point of reference. Tarun, if I understand your line of thought, it is emanating from you, right? You, because end of the day, you are creating those axioms. So the source, the 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 point of origin is you. Is sure, right? I.
1: Yeah, can can I respond to that, or unless yeah, you're yeah, another, no, or another no, no, go ahead, go ahead, no, go ahead. I would, I was, Clark. If you don't mind me just uh, asking this, then so you you feel that you can't necessarily trust um, your own phenomenological, your own phenomenological experience, and that as far as um, coming to a,
2: as you say, your fundamental, baseline, axiomatic worldview.
1: Okay. Gotcha. And but, but you can trust the you can trust the the baseline that is prescribed by Christianity, for instance. That is correct. And so, wh- where do you make that leap? Where you say I can't trust my own, but I can trust this other perspective? Like, wh-
2: wh- where did that? Why say from? you can
1: trust that and not the baseline of another religion, or in, for instance?
2: Yeah, I mean, so, you know, that's, that's a long discussion on the veracity of, of the Christian religion. Um, you know, it's, it's based, and there are apologists who are much better at this than I am, but, you know, you, you have, uh, you know, I, again, I'm by nature a scientist, so I need evidence, and there is historical evidence for the uh, existence of Jesus' uh, you know, life, death, and resurrection and from that point, and existentially, as I said, I, I have lived the atheistic um, Buddhist uh, life, and uh, you know, I've found it wanting. Um, you know, part of the atheistic life is also some hedonism, and you know, I've lived that as well. Um, and you know, through philosophy, on you know, thinking, you know, who are you? You know the fundamental questions are, you know, why why are we here? Um, you know, what's the meaning of life? Who created us? Um, you know, who gets to dictate morality? Um, and after it's all said and done, where where do we go? Uh, and you put all that together, and looking at, you know, while well, not extensive, other religions. Um, for me, the, the the God of the Bible. As it makes the most sense. It's reasoning. It's reasoning with experience um, and some
0: evidence. And it, to me, it's also logical. Yeah, I, I like your question, Tarun. So you, you're saying if we don't trust ourselves, how do we trust you know, ourselves think, to trust something else.
1: Sure, sure, exactly. It's, it's, I, right? I think at some point you're still relying on your own you're still relying on your own axioms to evaluate other axioms.
2: I understand your point and you know again I'm not you know it, it then we have to whittle down is the is the mechanism of trust valid? So my point is not my mechanism of trust is not invalid or valid. It's more of what, what or who am I trusting? If that what or who is myself, then I'm saying I am a flawed individual. And I I would, I would say that, you know, 99.9% of the people on this planet would agree with that statement. Do I trust a flawed individual or do I trust uh, a perfect individual. Um, for me, uh, you know, I, I've learned the hard way that I have to trust this perfect individual who, you know, whether, you know, I'm not a programmer, but you know, who's programmed the source code. And then you've, I don't, actually, I shouldn't have said that. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> 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 programmed this code. And it seems like for me, existentially, it, after being a Christian, that it makes the most sense. Now you can argue: Can I trust my ability to trust? You know, that's again an epistemological epistemological argument that philosophers have been arguing throughout existence.
0: But I think you make a phenomenal point around, um, around that. Um, so <laughs> it's it's really interesting. Can you be trusted to make a decision outside of yourself when you don't trust yourself? Exactly.
1: Yeah, that's, well, I, I, I don't even know if it's can you, I don't, I, I don't even, I mean, your, your other alternative is to go hide under a bed. I guess what I'm trying well, to say is that yeah, you, you I mean, do, it's... Whether, you, whether you believe that you are or you aren't, you are doing that. Yeah, absolutely, right. yeah.
2: it's a, it's a right. philosophical argument that I, I don't think leads to anything uh, substantial to living. Mm-hmm. Like, right, exactly what Thurn said. So again, the statement is not about the ability or inability to trust, it's what
0: or who are you trusting in? That's my point.
1: Sure, sure, that makes sense, yeah, totally. Yeah.
0: So I don't think, uh, so I, I, that's, it's great. So everybody has this framework everybody is placing as if it seems a bet, right? It's, it's who you place your bet on to define your axioms because y- 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 either you're placing it on your own self or you're placing it on somebody else or something else. So everybody is placing a bet, right? Sure, sure. Right? It's, it's, you're, you're basically defining who you place it on.
1: I, I like yeah, I
0: like that yeah. That's uh... right. So it, it's like, do you trust this horse or do you trust the horse I have? <laughs> right. So right. you know, uh, and and obviously you have to make a choice in that matter. The I, I think the more tough question to answer, which I don't have the answer right now, but I I think I have some thoughts is what is the factor of that trust that you have in making that choice because there's underneath that as well there's there's an element of trust right under that trust which we can't see which we can't see but we we can move on but can't believe it. It's already 30 minutes that we've started to <laughs> talk, but it, it's, you know, we'll, we'll go on for another 10 minutes where we want to kind of break it into 40 minute chunks. So we'll go on for another 10 minutes, maybe perhaps, and then, you know, take a break and then come back. So if I, if I go back to the original question of what is a worldview and, um, and then your own personal worldviews, right? Um, I think there's more to go. I have a couple more thoughts, I think that we can explore. So I think the summary would be, hey, everybody has this worldview. Everybody's placing a bet on either themselves, on their own experience, uh, on their own drafting of the axiom, or you're abandoning your axiom and you are embracing somebody else's axiom.
2: No, I don't think you're abandoning. I think you're, as I think Thorne said earlier, I think the... The you know worldview slash belief system that you have constantly gets updated. So even this discussion here is is changing that belief system in in some way. Yeah. And you know it, the question is whether people realize <laughs> you know they have one and whether you know they realize the importance of it and the the importance of, of, you know, trying to, you know, think about it. And, and, and you know, I think that's, that's important.
0: That's the endeavor, right. In in this whole part of the podcast is to encourage people to write, you know, think through, write it down, figure out what the connections are. When I meant abandon uh, Clark, just to clarify is you said, I don't trust myself, right you basically, in some sense, you've abandoned the starting point of you being the starting point. That's all I meant when I said, then when I use yeah, the word yeah, abandon, absolutely. just to clarify. I understand. So, um, you know, we're not, we don't really, you know, shed ourselves and become something else, <laughs> but there could be, we'll, we'll come down to that later on. But that's, uh, there's a, there's a view of building off from what you have versus saying, I don't want this. I want to start somewhere else and then bring myself in later, right? That's a possibility as well, right? Okay, good. Um, Anything that you've um, really thought through around, okay, let me me flip this question a little bit. Um, What if you were wrong in what you believed as your framework? Have you thought through that question? Because I'll tell you something that I was talking to my team members. The way we are wired is, is the way, <laughs> is is like, uh, and you hear this a lot from my mouth, at least, I know. That that phrase, I know, kind of is, is kind of hardwired in my head. Uh, when I talk to people, it's like, it just comes out of my mouth. It just rolls out of my mouth. That tells me that my initial premise on which i say something is because i know there's a level of surety in what we say right that, that's the that's the thing that we were talking about right there trust underneath the trust is essentially there's a there's a belief that i know and i'm sure i'm 100% so that's why i'm flipping the question a little bit to kind of say have you thought about what if you were not right
1: I I feel like again it comes back to this this idea that when I when I look at my own perspective and I examine that axiom I don't know how to how to falsify that. I don't know how to look at that axiom and say it's not better to thrive. I that, that's that's just some form of pure chaos. Maybe that's what hell is even. It's it's a complete Lack of desire or inability to thrive—that's Jordan Peterson's idea, right? Um, and so I—I don't—I don't even know how to ask that question or, or how to evaluate my that axiom. In response to that question, I feel like that question seems to make a lot more sense if you are choosing to uh, to trust in another worldview. It, to 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 falsify a set of someone else's or another perspective's axioms.
0: Mm.
1: So, well, well, but I mean, maybe you guys can help me work through that. I don't, I don't even know yeah, how yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah. A good,
0: it's a good point. Good point. Yeah. So you, you bring up a good
2: point. It, and then, you know, you, the term thrive also has to be defined. I mean, how do you mm-hmm. define thrive? What's your definition of thriving? Because if it's material thriving, you know, you have tons and tons of super wealthy out there that, totally. you know, Probably not emotionally, psychologically. Uh, you know, again, this is conjecture, but you you can see, you know, their behaviors uh, not really thriving. Um, whereas you could have somebody like even you know Gandhi, who you could say materially was destitute, but was thriving in his own way.
1: Sure. Yeah, I, I would I would definitely agree that there's. There is a, there's a huge amount of vagueness associated with that word and it's, it's, uh, it's perhaps better understood with uh, through, the, through the filter of your emotion where we all understand on a, on, a, on a heart level to use that language heart and head on a heart level, what it means to thrive. One of the ways I've tried to specify it and reduce the vagueness is uh, it's, with this, it's with this acronym EPSIS. Uh, so it's essentially just categorizing my life into, into, or I guess, dividing my life into a set of categories, which I can then use to evaluate, hey, am I moving towards some form of thriving or not? Uh, and the epsis is uh, the emotional, the social, the intellectual, spiritual, um, and I guess epsis F, financial. So for me, thriving, to thrive is to be moving in some direction, again, it can sort of in some of them it's easier to be more objective, in some in some of these categories it's more difficult. But the point is I'm aware that in each of these categories of my life, the emotional, the spiritual, intellectual, social, financial, that I could be I could be I know what better is and I know what worse is. And so I can be moving towards better. And to me, to do that is to thrive.
2: But what is your reference on better and
1: worse? How are you? How are you judging better, or okay. worse? So, so to use an example of, so, so to use those those categories, for instance, and this is going to be fairly crude, um, if, if if I can use those categories, um, the so judging my emotional health, uh, have you have you heard of the measure uh, a personality measure called Ocean, openness. It's called the big five personality trait model. No,
2: Not um, really. um,
1: it's anyways, it's, 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 it's the, I think in the world of psychol personality psychology, it's considered the most objective um, personality measure. All of that to say, one of the traits, one of the big five traits is one called neuroticism. And that's your exposure to negative emotions. So for me, one of the measures that I've tried to use to, to define and measure my own sense of thriving and maybe this moves to like stoicism or something like that i'm not entirely sure but it's it's trying to move myself from a place of being highly neurotic and highly emotionally volatile to a place of learning to respond to friends family to my own situations with a deeper sense of stability so that, that's again i'm not disagreeing that it's it can't it has the potential to be fairly vague but for me that's one measure of thriving in one area of my life. Hey, am I a little more just emotionally calm and stable and responding to situations less in a less volatile way than I did yesterday, just as an example. Um, In my social life, am I someone that is, am, am I investing more today into relationships? Am I caring more for my friends and my family and looking out for their needs? more so than I did yesterday, that's just an example of thriving in my social life. Um, financially, am I doing my best to be self-sufficient and to to reach a level of wealth where I'm comfortable, my family's comfortable, and I'm giving back to others? So for me, th- 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 those examples kind of make sense of how I divide my life up and then have ex- have a some form of reference to go, this is better, this is worse. If I move towards better, that's thriving.
0: I think empirically it makes sense, right? It 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 gives you some handle on on Clark's question, right? Um, I think the next section that we're going to cover, right? Probably close here for part one. (laughs) We'll get to part two. I want to ask you guys because you are starting to move in that direction because a worldview has. Um, actions loaded with it, right? You, you can see it separately. You can say, this is what I believe, but this is what I do, because your doing is coming from what you believe in. And then your doing is informing essentially what you believe in, right? It's kind of a circle, right? That we said that this code is getting updated with what you do. And what you do is basically what your code is telling you to do in your head, right? So then we're getting to action. And Clark, you probably have a couple of questions around what just Tarun just mentioned, will continue with that, uh, we'll continue with that. I don't know if you have any, you have any immediate questions on what he said, but at least he, he, he said what he's going to measure as wellness.
2: No, I mean, I, I think all his points are valid and truthful. It's, you know, I, I find in my past when I've tried it, it can be uh, labor intensive. And also self-critical. So, um, those
0: are the two things that you have experienced when you did that.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, because if if you if you're trying to say, okay, this is a situation, I'm trying to be more of this, and then if you don't succeed at that, then it's it's again self-condemnation. You're like, well, you you know, why didn't you do that? Blah blah blah, and so. Um, you know and again it becomes okay i have to try harder the next time or or then you know, the other way you're like well this is not working you know
0: and then you sort of denigrate yourself and you say you're a loser <laughs> so yeah. i didn't know the timer had this sound so it, it has 40 minutes <laughs> i'm trying to play a, a 40 minute clip you know so you um, know the
2: well had an alarm clock <laughs> You can
0: only draw so much work. Thank you, friend, for listening into the conversation. Appreciate you spending the time with us. And I'm sincerely hoping that some element in the conversation resonated with you or gave you something to think about. You can continue to engage with us by giving us feedback or making a suggestion or by even asking us a question. You can do that by going to our website, And the web address is sharethewell.community. Let me repeat it for your benefit. It is sharethewell.community. The website also has content that you can download and use to continue to dialogue with others. You can also subscribe in the application that you're streaming your podcast, whether it's an Apple device or any other device. Thank you once again. Till we meet again, continue your conversations around the well blessings.